Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. I'm going to invite uh, Kenaniah to read uh, our text for this morning, and then I'm going to invite her to pray for all the moms here. Before you do that, we'll have all the moms stand right after you finish reading. So, Kenaniah, here you go. I'll get out of your way. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Will all the mothers please stand? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we're all able to be here to gather and celebrate. I'm going to interrupt you one second. We're not talking about biological mothers, spiritual mothers as well, yeah? Anyone here who sees themselves in a motherly role in the kingdom, you stand up. Feel free to do that, okay? And, and uh, amen. Okay, go ahead, Tom. We thank you that we are able to be here and gather and celebrate these wonderful mothers of NC4 and mothers all over the world. We thank you that you have given these mothers the ability to raise honorable members of society and that you've given these mothers the ability to know when their children are not okay, and you've given them motherly instincts to be good women and good people for everyone in this world. We thank you that we have mothers to produce life, and even women who are not able to produce life, we thank you for those women who are able to raise children, women who are able to raise children all on their own without any help or under horrible circumstances. We thank you for those women. And we pray for all of the women who are going through hard times that are mothers, And we pray for those women that you will give them peace and guidance and good health and love in whatever family, whether it's a family of two or three or even one, Lord. We pray for all of these women of NC4 that are mothers, and we pray that you will allow us not to only appreciate these mothers on Mother's Day, but every day of the entire year. We thank you that we are here and that under all of these circumstances that you have been able to Let us gather here every Sunday to praise you and to worship, especially with these mothers in the church. And we pray for these mothers that you will give them peace and love and guidance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Amen. Great job. You know what? She had lived that prayer. How how cool was that? That was pretty good. All right, so specifically uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the the critical necessity of having faith for our children uh, here at NC4. And I'm not, I'm not talking about having faith for our kids in our individual families, in nuclear families. Although I understand that's the, that's the first level. That's the, 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 the primary uh, way that we, we, we develop and protect our kids. But we're going to probe this morning what the scriptures have to say about having faith for our children as a community, huh? as a community. There's something about the persistence of community in raising kids. I was raised in a liturgical church uh, that had a very fixed kind of liturgy on a weekly basis. And uh, my grandparents and my parents marched all the kids in on Sunday. All of my young life, uh, right into, through high school, we were marched in. And it had an effect it had an impression on my life. And so hopefully we're going to cast some vision this morning regarding where we're headed as we come out of this pad- pandemic and do some recreating of church. And you're going to be hearing about that. This is a, a little bit of vision casting this morning. But I'm coming up as kind of the father, grandfather in this role to talk about the importance of this in community. And something just fell into my head. You know, I always wondered... Uh, in the scriptures, how Joseph turned out so well, you know, in the book of Genesis. Because Jacob 
was pretty much of a shenanigan guy, right? And I, one day I was page, as I was paging through, I realized in reading through Genesis how late, how late in the book of Genesis, there's this little, little vignette about the fact that Isaac died. So I really believe, and this is conjecture, but I think it's good conjecture, that Isaac had a whole great-grandfatherly part to play in the raising of Joseph, and it tells the tale when we look at Joseph's life. It's that kind of thing. So this is part of our praise series in that we believe that it's a biblical mandate for us to teach our children to worship and praise and revere God. And this morning's focus uh, is the requirement of God that we as a community of believers, we, that we have a responsibility for our kids in that. that, not a, that I shouldn't even say that. We have an honor. We have a privilege of raising our kids as a community. So I call this message good news for the young. So I want, I want to do a heads up for you in Mukunji and for us here in Bethlehem and for everybody online. I want for us to explore a chronic historical problem with regard to the interplay between generations in the scriptures and in churches throughout church history. And the scriptures have oodles to say about this, what I call the intergenerational problem. And so here's the deal. A chronic dilemma is that a generation who knows God raises up, in turn, a generation who knows not God. I mean, this happens uh, throughout the Torah. It happens in church history. And I always am kind of bemused about that. Somehow across generations, the knowledge of God seems to leak. And the testimony of Jesus seems to leak. And this isn't only a modern problem. And we could kind of run through Deuteronomy and watch how this plays out. I don't want to do that. It's not my purpose this morning. But that now more than ever, it's our intention as a community to regroup and see to it that our kids and our youth are, are taken care of by all of us in a new kind of way. Psalm 78 states that God gave the fathers of the community his testimonies, the stories of faith, and he gave them the words of the Torah that they, that's the fathers, it doesn't say mothers because mothers do this intuitively. The fathers and mothers should teach the children and teach the children the ways of God. That's what Kenaniah just, just read. The generation, that the generation to come, even the children yet to be born, that they would arise and then tell them to their children that they would put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. That's the plan of the Lord. Always been the plan of the Lord. So here's the deal. Our children share in our covenant status as a community of believers. Can I say that again? Because it's all of us, right? Our covenant, our, co our, our children share in our covenant status as a community of believers. I feel uh, 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 as, a, as, a, as a congregant here, not as a pastor, as a congregant here, I feel for your parents and the raising of your kids. And it's important to me, even on a personal level. I try and greet the kids. I try and at least uh, let, let them see that I'm, I'm here and I care. Even if I'm a, you know, an old dawdling guy walking around in the background, I want to do that, okay? Because you know what? By the way, that's why we have child dedication at this church is sacramental in its impact. Are you there? I mean, we don't do group child dedications and splash a little blessing on them of some kind. We, we make a big deal of it because we believe our children are members of the body of Christ. They don't have to wait until they have a communion. They don't have to. They, are, they, Im, they, they, they imbibe the grace given to us consequent to our inclusion of them in the body of Christ. So we live in an age and a culture. I'm going to be quick. We live in an age and a culture where children more and more seem to be relegated to a secondary priority in churches. And it's common in churches these days to stick kids in worship venues apart from their families rather than seeing their families worship and having a family worship experience. 
But my problem has always been, you know, and we've had people not come to church here because they had to sit with their kids. Huh? Yeah, I know. My problem is it's not a biblical pattern, you know. And so, you know, Jesus said, welcome, whoever welcomes this little child in my name uh, welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. That means, you know what that means? One way or another, our kids are great in the kingdom. Huh? Our kids are great in the kingdom. Jesus is saying the relationship with the Father should model in community, in community, our relationship with our kids. And he also seems to be saying that there's a relationship between our capacity to to welcome other people into the kingdom of God in the same way that we welcome our children into the community of God. Jesus said, Matthew 18, 10, see that you don't despise these little ones. Look, we don't despise our little ones in the sense that we, we, we feel a despicable sentiment toward them. But you know what? We can treat them as if they're a nuisance, a kingdom nuisance. huh? And so Jesus said, don't do that, for I tell you that their angels, I love this, their angels in heaven always see the face of my father. That's an interesting scripture, Right? That kids have angels (laughs) that seem to intercede or in some way influence the destiny of the children. And that that's important from the place of a congregation in terms of how it realizes its honor toward its children. Okay, whether a church, my last point, whether a church or a culture or a family, you know, whatever it is, if a church, a culture, a family marginalizes its children... Watch this. It rejects God's overt blessing over them. Huh? So most, most parents are frustratingly aware of, of the Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he or she should go, and when they were old, they will not depart from it. We all lean on that scripture when raising kids, especially teenagers and so forth. I like to retranslate that. I was looking at it in Hebrew yesterday, and, and I want to translate it more conceptually than literally. I want to read it this way. Disciple a child in the journey that he or she sets upon. Our kids are on a journey. And when they mature, they will not depart from it. And I'll tell you what, I raised four kids and maybe a couple other ones in the process. And I've got, we're expecting our 14th grandchild. And, And I watch this and listen. You know, every, almost every kid at one point or another in, 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 in their lives, you've got to take 10 deep breaths, yeah? Right? <laughs> Some earlier than others. But the point is they always circle back into maturity because of the faithfulness of God. And to that end, I'm going to ask, uh, who's coming up next? Millie? I'm going to ask Millie to come up, who's our children's pastor here. Come on up, kiddo. Give her a hand. Good morning, church. I'd like to share with you how God used my heart's desire to lead me into an area of my life that I had never imagined or in a direction that I thought was completely opposite. So I'm going to take a few moments and I'm just going to share a part of my heart and I hope it blesses everyone this morning. And I'd like to first say, Happy Mother's Day! My name is Millie Moison, and I remember when those words, Happy Mother's Day, stung my heart. Maybe your heart stings because you're waiting for a child, or your mother's no longer on earth, or maybe you don't have a relationship with your mom that you hoped that you did have. So, The reason why my heart stung was because I was waiting for a child. And every time they said Happy Mother's Day, it hurt because that was a desire that I had had. But know that as I'm sharing this, how God used my obedience to him for that sting to hurt a little less every day. For as long as I could remember, 
when I grew up, what I wanted to be was a mom. I would tell my parents, I didn't need a man. I just wanted kids. <laughs> Now, my youth pastor that's over here knows that I didn't say that just for having kids. I said it in general too. <laughs> But I was in elementary school, and I didn't know how it all worked. But um, and let you know, my family to this day still teases me about that. And poor Mark gets to hear it too. Um, looking back, all I wanted to do was to protect, to care for children, or where I felt those that needed it. Um, and I used to love and mother my my siblings. Now they, I called it mothering. They called it telling them what to do. <laughs> and to put it into perspective. My sister and I, my younger sister, we're over five years apart. My first brother that came, I, I was in seventh grade when he was born. My last brother, who's the baby of the family, I was in tenth grade. So there was definitely huge gaps. And the best part is, people used to think my brothers were my kids, and they would never tell them that I was not their mother. And they would just laugh, ha ha ha, Millie. They think you're mom. And I thought, oh, guys, come, my brothers. But it didn't work out like that. <laughs> Then I became 21, and I started to date Mark. And my brothers thought he was the coolest. Um, and we would take my brothers everywhere with us to the movies, shopping for cool clothes, because you're like, don't let mom take me, you take me, please. <laughs> um, and Mark would come, after church would come to our house and hang out. And I thought, hmm, this is good because this is in preparation of when I have kids, let's see how he does, you know? <laughs> so Mark asked me to marry him and I said yes. And I was so excited. Mark even bought a house before we got married. And there were two extra bedrooms. And I had already claimed them for my kids. All we needed was those four kids that I wanted. We all try to make sure we line everything up just right. And we think, let's help God make it easier for him, right? Well, as you can imagine, oh, sorry guys, I lost my train here. Give me a second. Okay, so we tried really hard for the first five years to get pregnant, or before we got pregnant. And during those times, I would have not survived if it had wasn't for my family, our friends, and the elders praying for us. Fast forward now, I have the two most amazing teenagers. And I should say that because they're mine. <laughs> I really thought that God was going to give me four children. You see, as you wait for kids, those five years, I imagined what they looked like. I gave them names. And four, five years gives you a long time to think. We did try but that door never opened. I remember when my youngest was in the three-year-old classroom in Sunday school, when Delena Savard was our Sunday school director. He would not stay in that classroom. And you know how you say things that you wish you'd never say? Like the word, I'll never teach Sunday school. I'm not a good teacher. Well, I love the way God shows me that I am so wrong. <laughs> so I helped my little guy, and I just said, Delena, put me on the schedule. I will teach every third month for the year. Now, God was beginning to move me in that different direction than I had thought I should go. I kept saying that scripture in Jeremiah 29:11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
At the time, we were still trying to have kids, and Delena felt it was time for her to step down in this role. I could not believe that God was telling me to take this role on. God, in His grace and mercy, told me to love the kids that entered these buildings as if they were my own. And I thought I'd do the role till I got pregnant. Hold on, I think. Ah, I went too far, guys. Fast forward now, and I am forty something. And my children <laughs> never came. As much as my heart ached for them, it was filled with the love of your children. Our all-knowing God knew that my that your children naturally would make the ache hurt less. Your kids made me feel so loved and special and important. I remember coming to church and just finding out that morning that I was not pregnant. But your children would come up to me and hug me and tell me how much they loved me. God used the NC4 kids to help me face the fact that God told me no. So I poured my heart into this ministry, and I felt like God was telling us to join a small group. And I thought, really, God? Like I don't have enough to do? I'm going to go to a small group too. But the more we went, the more comfortable we felt to share our needs as a family and my hurts. God allowed this group to go into the mess that I called our lives. This group and other people in this church came alongside of us and helped us raise our own children. During the pandemic, we had things hit the fan. The people in our group came alongside of us. They prayed, supported, and encouraged us. Even more amazing, they were not just encouraging Mark and I. No. They were encouraging our children and supporting them individually. Every time I worry about my family and my future, God reminds me in Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As believers, we need to allow people into our lives to help us. To be sounding boards, we can't bear each other's burdens if we're not sharing them with people that we trust. We need each other, and I am so thankful for Pastor Bob, who does. He encourages our church to join a small group. I now see that they are essential to my life and my family's life. Did you know that this small group births family night? I had asked for prayer for an idea I had on a Wednesday morning. Oh no, sorry, on a Wednesday night、um, for the whole family. And that evening, when I got home, Tyler Boldus he emailed me and said, "I really feel like God's telling me that I need to help you make this happen." For those of you that don't know Tyler Boldus, he was、uh, the coordinator for Kids Club, and that was a portion of Wednesday nights that the fifth grade and under would have their time. And I remember, even my children who were younger at the time when we first started the small group had developed relationships with the adults there.、Um, my kids go out with these people, and I just think that's amazing. And these people don't even have children of their own at that time. I don't know why we underestimate the power of an intimate Christian relationship. If I Never took the role of children's ministry director. I would have missed the domino effect that changed my life and my family's life. God has a plan, 
B, C, D, all the way up to Z for all of us. And maybe you feel God is asking you to go in a direction that was different than you wanted or hoped to. I want to challenge you to do what God is calling you. It may be a small detour or a big detour. I didn't always like or enjoy my detour, but it ended up helping that sting in my heart. Do I wish that God would have just given me what I asked for? Absolutely. I was hurt, angry, mad, all kinds of emotions. But I had to choose to appreciate what God had given me. And my life is his, isn't it? Now, I feel like God is asking me to step down in children's ministry at NC4. This is not an easy decision, but I need to trust in God's plan for my life and my future. He has always been faithful. And my life has been better with him than without him. I'm not going anywhere. I will still see you guys on Wednesday nights for youth, Sunday mornings, and all the great events that we have here at NC4. And if I don't step down, who else can pick up the baton? I can't run this race forever. It's time for someone else to take it. And I'm beginning to slow down my running enough so that the next person can pick it up. NC4 cares so much about our family, and they want God to lead the baton passing. Thank you. Thanks, Millie. Thanks for all you have done with the kids over the years, for my kids, uh, for the church's kids. I, don't, I actually don't know how you do it. You do children's, and then you come and help me with youth. So that's an incredible testament to you. Um, so thank you again. Uh, to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. I got a joke for you. Um, so the daughter says, Mom, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? And the mom says, you should ask your grandma. <laughs> All right. So, you know, daughters out there, look at your mom and know you won't be as good. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to get into it. Uh, this is a... Man, bear with me. This is a really hard week for me and my family. It's Mother's Day, and um, it's, uh, this week is going to be a year since um, the passing of Emma. And then they asked me to do this, and I was like, Man, double whammy. You know, it's already hard enough for me um, this week. So I'm an emotional guy. That's a gift that God has given me that I use. Um, ask any of the youth kids. They've all seen me cry. Uh, multiple times from the frustration with them. Um, so when I, when I thought about what I wanted to say uh, this morning, it's... How did I start on this journey, right? Why did I want to be a youth pastor? Because you got to be crazy. Um, and I think back, it really hit me when I was 15. I had a really, a lot of good youth pastors in my life. Um, from Believer's Chapel, where I grew up. Uh, you know, I remember them by name. Jim Butcher, uh, Jeremy Callie, um, Mike over here, the bald man. And... Um, and when, when I look at what they did for the kids um, in my years in youth, uh, God put a desire in my heart to be a youth pastor. And um, over the years, um, you know, I messed up, you know, between, I think it was 18 and, it's hard to remember now, but 18 and tw 24, it, it wasn't the best years of my life. Mom, do you remember? I don't know. Does that sound right? <laughs> So 18 and 24 wasn't the best years of my life. And then I was like, man, I'm 25. I'm already washed up. 
this is great. I can't be a youth pastor now. You know, I was away at school. Um, and uh, I moved to New Jersey. I remember that. That was a terrible time. Um, the bagels are good. And my wife came from New Jersey. That's about the only good things. Um, and I remember Mike calling me one day. And he's like, hey, man, I'm moving to Mukunji, uh to head the campus there. Um, you know, can we get dinner? And I was like, free meal. Sure, let's go. And so um, I, I drove back from New Jersey to meet with Mike. And then Mike said, dude, you're awesome. You're the greatest person ever. I think that you are the only one that can fill my shoes. And I said, you know, dude, I got to think about it. Is there a bonus? Is there a commission? Like, what's the word? Um, and so anyway, it worked out, though. It was awesome. Um, I needed to get a job back here. Uh, got aligned stars. Um, so it made it flexible enough for me to do youth group for a, for a good amount of time. And so that's the past seven years I've been serving as a youth pastor. Many years before that, uh, just working with kids. Um, I, I Actually, thinking about it, besides when I was off to school and my year in Jersey, I came back, I feel like, a couple times during Jersey. But um, ever since... I can't even remember not participating in youth group. Um, and so that is why I chose what I chose. So when I tell people, because I, I talk to a lot of people, I network a lot and do all that good stuff with my job, and you know, they all find me on LinkedIn, and they're like, oh, you're a youth pastor too? And they're like, why would you ever want to do that? You know? And I usually respond with, you know, who doesn't want to stay up all night in a trampoline park? where the only good place to sleep is a foam pit. Who doesn't want to do that? That's, that's my calling, you know? I actually remember one time I was sleeping in the foam pit at uh, Free Fall. I know I should have been chaperoning the kids, but it was, it was 3 a.m. And I remember Trent Dunstan running up to the foam pit, screaming, Bobby, Bobby, someone broke their leg. And I was like, you know how you're in sleep, and then all of a sudden all the alerts and alarms go off in your head, and you're like, oh! I like, it was almost like I was Lazarus. I rose from the dead, you know? And um, I go over and they just, you know, sprain their knee, no big deal. Uh, so thanks, Trin, for giving me a heart attack. Um, so then, uh, then I get into the real gist of it. Like, in reality, why do I do what I do? And, and when I look back at all the times, you know, there's difficult times, there's easy times, there's good times, there's bad times. Um, you know, I look back and it was all for the kids. It wasn't, wasn't for anything else, right? I look at the seven years. I've had a couple graduations um, to go to graduation parties. And um, it's just been a joy. It's brought joy to my life. Um, it's definitely brought joy to Chrissy's life. She's actually very thankful for Wednesday nights, hopefully free. Um, but... My main goal always was to show um, the kids the love of Christ, not only by what I say, but how I act in my actions. You know, I'm, I'm a very sarcastic person, so um, sometimes they read me wrong, but I do love you out there. If you, if you think some sentiment or you feel bad about our relationship, dude, I do love you, you know. Um, so, but my main goal was to show them the love of Christ and it was also to give them a place where they cannot be afraid and feel safe. In this world, it's so difficult to find that kind of place. And um, for me, creating that atmosphere at youth group where they can be, come and be themselves, where they don't have to put on a fake facade and um, be afraid to kind of let their hair down. Um, Silas is really good at letting his hair down. If he's around, I don't know. Um, but it's also to give them the opportunity to grow in their relationship with God and experience him. And also, last but not least, to show them church can be fun. Parents always try to suck the fun out of it. <laughs> All right. So, you, do you guys understand that I would get an email about, hey, you gave my kid too much candy. I'm like, it's youth group, you know? <laughs> Sorry, sorry, they'll be up late tonight. Um, but as I, as I kind of recall the many years, I, I've kind of been thinking back on the seven years. There's been so many good times. Um, I think about all the times at Tuscarora, our annual retreat, 
you know, between kids pouring hot sauce on pillows to stealing candy out of vending machines uh, to all-night games at Catan. Coup is a, is a new game, up and coming. You might not know what that is. Um, to ministry time, um, to students, seeing students respond to God in a sincere way. Um, and I'm just going to put this out here. No one knows what this means. This is an inside joke, but mad shady yo. If you are listening and you know what that means, I love you. Um, then to the times that saturate, we, we would take the kids uh, to Rochester, New York um, for an incredible time uh, with God. And, and those times were awesome just to see the kids worship and just be who, they, who God destined them to be, right? Um, we would stay in shady hotels up there. That was a good time. But there's life-changing moments. If, if you have a kid that went to saturate, ask him about it. You know, ask them what God did in their lives during those moments because something happened, something sparked, and it's a seed that's planted. Uh, I think about Oswego. We went up and served the community in upstate New York in one of the poorest areas. Um, we gave back to a church up there, one of my cousin's church. We went to a purpose farm and helped shove manure, shovel manure. I mean, tell me you asked your child to shovel manure because I asked some kids to shovel manure, and they did it with a grateful heart, right? Um, to Texas, I'll never forget Texas. Um, that was a great trip. I don't care what anyone else says. I had a great time. First thing is, it's the first time I ever got mommed on the trip. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm looking at you. Uh, she mommed me. I left a kid behind. My fault. Deserved it completely. Uh, you know, to playing coup in Texas with Phil Osborne. I mean, I've never met a more competitive guy in my life. Um, but when him and his son Isaiah are both playing, man, warfare, warfare. Um, and then to just serving with the kids and watching them just do their thing. It was almost like shoveling manure, but um, it was a lot different. There was no manure involved, but there was a lot of hard work done. And it was all done with smiles and happiness. You know, and sweat, blood, and tears. Um, really cool to see the kids serving that way. To the free fall event, I already talked about that. But that was one of our outreach events. We had over 70 kids show up uh, at times, and then they'd come to youth group. It was cool. And then just to the random Wednesday nights, you know. Uh, Wednesday nights were always fun. We'd play games, uh, do some crazy stuff. Linda Brown, I don't know where you are, but I apologize. I have penance for all the things I've broken in the church. Um... <laughs> I love you. We have a great relationship. I want that to be known. Um, but through all these times, there's so many good conversations had. That's what it's all about is that relationship um, with the kids. So many good conversations. Uh, so many good, <laughs> sorry, good relationships formed and grown. Um, the funny thing about teens is you'd never know. You'd never know you make an impact. You know, I'm sure as parents, you're home. Hey, how's your day today? Uh, you know, they're grunting at you. You know, for me, they grunt at me too. I try to go have a conversation with, kind of like what Grubby said, except I feel like I relate a little bit better. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to age you. But um, <clears throat> I try to have a conversation with a kid, and they just look at me, and I'd be like, hey, what about Fortnite? I've never played Fortnite myself, ever, but I, I just research and then, talk about it. Um, and so it's those kind of things, but it's all about the relationship factor. Um, and so they aren't going to be the type, they're not the type to come, you know, after you, you know, you, do, you do deliver a teaching on a Wednesday night, you're like, man, that felt great. I really feel like God spoke through me. And like, no one comes up to you and says anything. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, man, I get in my car, I'm like, why do I put myself through this, you know? And then one, one Wednesday, it's like golf, right? You hit a good shot and you go back for years. Um, then one Wednesday, a kid comes up and like, that really spoke to me. And you're like, yes, I got him. You know what I mean? Um, I'm wrapping it up, Ian, I promise. <clears throat> but that, those are the reasons why, why we go back, right? Sometimes you never find out that you made an impact in someone, sometimes you found out years later. Uh, Mike can definitely attest to this. I know he's experienced this too, where 
you really think you lost a kid for years and then you see them just randomly in a supermarket and they're like, hey man, I just want you to know that really spoke to me that one time. And I'm like, I don't know what time you're talking about, but sure, like that's awesome. Um, but I wanted to read this. I got a, a text a few months back um, from someone that graduated four years ago. I'll try not to cry. Hey Bobby, I want to let you know how much you've impacted my life and how much youth group uh, meant to me growing up. I know everyone feels the same way too. It's been on my mind recently and I wanted to make sure you know how much you mean to all of us. You really helped us through the hardest teenage years and taught us so much. I miss youth so much. Thanks for everything, Bobby. You gave me amazing memories to look back on. Just thought I'd reach out and let you know. So that's what it's all about giving memories where they can look back on and say, God worked in my life in that moment. I mean, that's how we are, right? When we're going through something difficult, something hard, what do we, what do we live for, right? Those moments that God, we saw God's footprint in our path, in our walk. So it's been an honor for me. It's really hard because I'm not one to say, you know, I'm done, but I have other things going on. I have two awesome kids. I have a wife. Um, my career is very demanding, um, and I just don't, I can't give the program what it deserves. Um, and I think the direction the church is going is going to be right what, what it needs to uh, flourish the faith of our kids going forward. So I just want to say it's been an honor to serve the church for seven years plus, um, even on youth staff. It's brought me immense joy to be able to speak into our kids' lives. Uh, seasons come and seasons go. But... Uh, I'm going to let someone else stay all night in a free fall. <laughs> that actually feels really good to say. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be kind of chilling at home with my kids, my wife. I'll be around, though. So everyone has my phone number. If you don't, uh, you can ask me. But uh, I'm excited to see what God has for me next. You know, I've, I've been thinking about that. And I'm really excited for the future of NC4 Youth Ministry here. I believe it's going to be going from good to great. Um, so with that said, Ian. You know, Selene and I moved out of youth ministry to come here. And, man, I miss working with teenagers. Um, so I, I, I feel the joy and the bittersweetness that you guys have shared. And um, fills me up with, with emotion, too. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, it's like parenting, where it's like the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's also mo the most rewarding thing you'll ever do, is, is discipling children in the way they should go, like the psalm says. And so, my job in uh, less than nine minutes here is to uh, <laughs> share with you some of the new vision um, that we've been in conversation on uh, over the past few months, knowing that Millie and Bobby were desiring to, to pass on the baton. And so I want to share the fruit of a few months of, of work, of uh, listening, of research, of discussion. It's, it's involved forming a, a discovery team, conducting a, a listening uh, campaign with youth and parents and, and leaders. And it was really focused on a conversation around possibility. At this juncture where we face a transition, where we face um, a, a, an unknown future, what is the possibility that God is projecting us into? And so it's about building on the, the life-giving history that we've had and asking the Lord, okay, what new thing do you want to give birth in our midst here? And so we've been seeking the Lord on how to best disciple our 
uh, our young people in a new season in a way that embodies our DNA as a church and that causes them to flourish. So over these next couple minutes, I want you to imagine with me. I want you to imagine NC4 as a place where the whole church family is discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. The whole church family is discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. You imagine a church where everyone sees themselves as part of a movement that is multiplying mature disciples of Jesus from birth through young adulthood. Equipping them to be missionary entrepreneurs in the world, building God's kingdom no matter where they are and what they're doing. I believe if we can be part of something like that, not only will our young people continue and, and continue to flourish more and more, but the places that they go in life will flourish. And this church, as a result, will flourish, the whole church, because young people are just the lifeblood of the party, right? And so if we have a church that is flourishing, it, that's not only growing old, but growing young, <laughs> that we'll see a, a, new, um, a new season of flourishing in our midst as well. And so... Um, I only have less than two minutes here, so I really won't be able to share almost any detail. Um, but there is going to be um, a follow-up meeting on what I'm very briefly going to share, and that is for youth, parents, anyone in the congregation who has their heart stirred by what's been shared this morning. And what we want to pursue is a ministry model that you could call family discipleship. All right? And it's about a way of discipling kids and youth and young adults where some of the, the, the walls that have been put up between those age groups are broken down and we begin to focus on ministering as a family. And so this isn't about getting rid of kind of age-specific events and programs and stuff, but it's, it's, it's a, a way of refocusing and working our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, our young adults' ministry together as a combined team, as a unified approach to discipling uh, these young people all through that age group into adulthood. And so I'm just going to give you one picture of what this is going to be like, and it's everybody in the game. All right? We want our ministry to young people to be less like a game of ping pong and more like a game of football. And what do I mean by that? Well, ping pong, if you've ever seen Olympic ping pong, you know, it's one person just, you know, returning every volley at breakneck speed and everyone looking at them saying, I would never want to do that or I could never do that, right? Football, how many people are on the field and there's teams within teams and it's packed out there, but everyone is playing a specific role and purpose to advance the game right? And so this is about our leaders beginning to primarily see themselves as equippers of families, of, of aunts and uncles and grandmas and granddads and the wider church body uh, to be discipling as a family. And so I think our live stream is about to cut off, so I apologize for that. Um, it's not. Okay, good. That's excellent. So I can carry on? Yeah, we got till like 2 o'clock, right? Yeah. I hope you brought your lunch with you. That's a very dangerous thing to tell me. No. <laughs> so, what we believe is that the Lord is calling us to bring on a full-time, dedicated staff member at the pastoral level who's going to spearhead this, this vision of family discipleship overseeing uh, the discipling of our young people, managing a team that, that is a team of leaders over kids and youth and young adults, and intentionally partnering with parents and the wider church to equip them as disciplers. And so we've already entered some very promising uh, discussions in that recruitment process, and the hope is 
to actually bring somebody on as early as the, uh, the end of June. And so they can spend the summer getting acclimated, building relationships with the team and, and with the church. And I've kind of sped past all of my, you know, uh, all of my vision stuff here. But this is really... This is a vision that's centered around service, around participation, around action. It's about doing all of this in line with our DNA as church is family. And so it's about um, equipping those who actually spend the most time with kids, whether that's parents or teachers or or coaches, you know, uh, equipping those people who are doing the majority of discipleship anyway, because that's the reality of life, to actually equip them to do it well, to be confident, and to see themselves as disciplers. And so, this is a little bit less focused on things that take place within the church building. We've all been there where there's kind of like a competition between, you know, do we do family time or do we do the church thing, right? Well, maybe there's a way where our discipleship can fit within the family, where it can be centered around the table, around meals, around shared experiences, around those conversations where we can laugh together, where we can be silly, where we can dance, where we can cry together, and where those, those deep relationships and mentoring relationships are formed. And so I believe this is a vision where our church culture will become such that whenever we are planning to do anything, anytime we gather, anytime we put an event on, any type of ministry that we design, we'll begin to ask, how can young people be at the center of this? How can young people be part of this? How can we hand them the keys to this? And when we mess up, it's okay because God's forming us and we're family right? And so, this is football, not ping pong. (laughs) Everyone is in the game. And so, whether you become a mentor to a young person, or you bus kids to events, or you cook a meal, or you host a small group in your home, there is a role for you to play. Whether you're five or 85, there's a role for you to play, And so the leadership role becomes, rather than being that, that, you know, crazy ping pong player, becomes the coach who's helping every player on the field play their position to the best of their ability. And so I really believe this is what the Lord's calling us to. And, you know, somebody's saying, but Ian, how in the world is one person going to do all this? Right? And the answer is, they're not. (laughs) First of all, there's going to be a gradual approach. We need to build this into our culture where everyone is contributing to the vision, and that's going to take time. It's going to take perseverance. It's going to take a huge amount of support. And especially in the the, the first year of bringing this person on, they're going to need collaborators, participants who are willing to give themselves, to take a risk, to sacrifice, to build something that is really going to be transformative. But secondly, we're hoping that next year we'll be able to, as this thing grows and develops, that we'll be able to add further staff positions to supplement that team. And so I believe this is going to grow. It's going to become part of just the way that we do things. And what's cool is as we spoke to uh, so many of you, and I know not everyone was able to get a call, but there's, we're going to carry on the conversation. There's, not, you know, there's no full stop at the end of that sentence. Um, There's plenty more time to be involved as this vision develops. But as we spoke to so many of you, there was so much overlap of the things that as you looked back, both youth and parents and, and people in the church, that as you looked back on the history of this church, there was so much life giving, uh, so many life giving elements that we want to build on, that in some cases we want to turn back to and put back at the center. Um, we want to bring back retreats and more like family-oriented uh, 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 elements that have had to go by the wayside during COVID and stuff like that. So this is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's ambitious, I know. 
It's going to take time, but I, I really believe this is something that can not only transform our young people, but like I said, this can, this can breathe a new, uh, a, a, a new breath into the entire church body. And so I want you to imagine with me, what if we could become a place where we're known as the place where young people come to become kingdom entrepreneurs? Oh, if you want to find out what you're good at and how you can use it to the best of your ability and impact the world, you got to go to NC4. That's where you got to go. What if we could be known as that kind of place? What could emerge from this church to bless this area and this world and, and build the kingdom? And actually, that's been prophesied over us a number of times that we would become an apostolic training center, a place where people come and be trained and they're sent out, and we would be known more for who we send than who we gather, and that we'd be an entrepreneurial incubator. And I really, you can tell, I believe, this is, I think, what is going to be the spearhead of all this. And so, as we set out on this adventure, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what's my role in this? What's my role in this? Whether you're five or 95 or you're single or married, how can you contribute to what the Lord is doing? How can we build this together? And so if you want to be part of that conversation, I encourage you to uh, come to the meeting that we're going to set up. We don't have a date yet, but uh, stay tuned for details on that where there's going to be a chance for dialogue uh, for you to, to dream with us, to share your doubts with us, to, to work through um, this together. Um, but until then, pray. Amen. Until then, dream. Get excited. Ask how the Lord would use you. Amen? Amen. And so that vision is that everybody, the entire church family, is discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. Now, as we close here, I just want to, um, we'd like to offer an opportunity every week for anyone who may have been listening, uh, may have tuned in or in person here in the service, uh, who um, wants to respond to an invitation from the Lord Jesus to enter into relationship with him and be part of his kingdom. And so if that's you, I believe the Lord's reaching out to you this morning with that invitation. And if you would like to begin that process, that journey with Jesus, um, let's just close our eyes and bow our heads and we can, you, you can pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for the mess I've made of my life. <laughs> Please forgive me for my sin. Thank you that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And that you rose again from the grave so that I could have new life. Make me your child today by your Holy Spirit. And I commit to walk with you the rest of my days. Amen. Now, if that was you today and you responded to that invitation, you can, you can throw your hand up in the air and our ushers have a, a package uh, with information uh, of how we can walk that out with you as a church family. If you're online today, there's a number that you can text uh, and our online pastor, Mike Dunstan, will reach out to you. Um, but why don't we stand together and I'm just going to end and dismiss with a, with a benediction. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, this uh, the incredible service, the joy that we've seen in Bobby and Millie today. Lord, the privilege that we all have of being part of your family and of playing a role in discipling those that are younger, whether spiritually or physically, of discipling those, uh, those young people to know you, to follow you, Lord, that they would flourish for all the rest of their days. So we thank you for that privilege. Lord, we pray that you would equip each one of us, that you'd give us the mindset of disciplers. Lord, that every person in this church body would be discipling those kingdom entrepreneurs. 
And so would you go in the knowledge that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? You carry the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have been called by God the Father, and that you play a role in building his kingdom. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.